Donkey Talk, a so powerful parable by Dana Buck. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Luke 2, verses 4 through 7. The story of the Nativity is the story of God's great love for us, no matter who does the telling. Donkey Talk, a so powerful parable by Dana Buck. Oh, Mommy, just one more time, please. Just one more simple telling. These words have echoed more than once within this humble dwelling. Surely you can't want to hear that story once again. Besides, you know it back to front, from opening to end. The repeating doesn't bother me. His eyes began to glisten. If you'll just do your part and talk, I'll do my part and listen. Rolling eyebrows lift her face, but truthfully, she teased. For though appearing bothered in her spirit, she was pleased. All right, then. She surrendered, brought her voice down even more. Make sure no one can hear us through a window or a door. Grinning, he then trotted to each opening exposed, ensuring all were unattended and securely closed. And when he had confirmed that all was quiet and just so, she cleared her throat and softly spoke. It happened long ago. Now wait. Before we launch this tale of fanciful invention, there are some facts I feel that I should bring to your attention. Like that of our main characters, you may begin detecting that they possess identities you might not be expecting. For though they speak as you and I in sentences and phrasing, it's this unique surprising fact that makes them both amazing. So, lest you find this parable irrational or wonky, please know that they're, well, truth be told, please know that they are donkeys. Now, I know what you're about to say, and donkeys, they can't talk, and surely I'd agree with you and call this tale a crock, except that in the Bible there's a story to review. It's within the book of Numbers, found in chapter 22. Old Balaam is God's prophet, who's about to disobey him. So God sends down an angel with an unsheathed sword to slay him. As Balaam rides his donkey down to where he should not go, the angel stands unseen, right in the middle of the road. Though Balaam's eyes are blinded, his old donkey deftly spied him and swerved into a field just as the angel tried to smite him. Balaam didn't realize that he'd been clearly saved, and he beat his faithful donkey, thinking he'd been disobeyed. Two times more he tried to ride to where the angel waited, but his donkey kept him safe from being struck and ventilated. In anger and frustration, he once more attacked his ride. It was then that God delivered a rebuke and a surprise. Why do you keep hitting me? What outcome are you seeking? And surely Balaam listened, for it was his donkey speaking. I'm irritated that you won't proceed as you're directed. 
The angel with the deadly sword still hadn't been detected. Then Balaam's eyes were opened, for he saw the winged assassin, and understood then why his donkey undermined his passing. He on the spot repented, garnered what God had to teach, and the donkey? God rewarded him and let him keep his speech. Not only he, but all his progeny, his donkey kin, could talk and laugh and carry on discussions just like him. From parents down to siblings over many generations, these beasts of burden guard their aptitude for conversations. And so we come full circle to the mother and her son and the legendary saga that she's barely just begun. It happened long ago, she said in low and earnest breath, when my master had just settled in the town of Nazareth, bringing with him tools that hammer, measure, saw, and chop, he labored as a carpenter and opened up a shop. I was very happy and just followed him around to his job sites, to the synagogue, or just shopping in the town. Life was going smoothly, like a ship with filling sails, when all at once my master seemed to run right off the rails. He developed trouble sleeping, he had no interest in his food, walked around distracted in a foggy, dreamy mood. I recognized this malady that he was a victim of. The poor man had succumbed and fallen hopelessly in love. She was our local neighbor, and my master, he would tarry at the well when he would see that drying water there was Mary. She was quite a beauty. Although young, her heart was dosed with a gentle, loving spirit, much more deeply set than most. She used to give me water and then scratch behind my ears. Her laughter would dispel the blues and dry up all your tears. So, is it any wonder, my man felt his heart unfurl for this charming, comely maiden, not two steps beyond a girl. In good time, my master, like an animal uncaged, felt his life had blossomed when these two became engaged. I'd hear him say he loved her, praise and compliments conveying, and all the time he never guessed. I knew what he was saying. Were ever there two people more completely lost in bliss than all at once their joy collapsed into a dark abyss? It happened late one afternoon when Mary came to visit. Her countenance was troubled. Joseph asked, My love, what is it? I wasn't there to hear or know exactly what she said, but whatever was related, Mary quickly rose and fled. My master in a stupor put a blanket on my back, and we rode into the hills until the sky was midnight black. Throughout this aimless ride, a steady discourse he was keeping his words of anger morphed into a heart-consuming weeping. I surmised from bits and pieces of his tortured monologue that the nuptials were canceled, their betrothal to the dogs. The bad news didn't stop there. It seemed multiplied and piled when his comments made it clear that there was going to be a child. Dismounted now and standing neath the solitary moon, he heaved a cleansing sigh and sought to staunch his throbbing wound. No matter the offense, he said, the law that's poised above her, 
I will not have her damaged or disgraced, for I still love her. I'll see a private marriage cancellation is enforced. With no display or fanfare, we'll be quietly divorced. He hung his head in anguish. There was nothing left to say. That's until I heard him quietly, oh, so briefly pray. Oh God, her claim is you, your Holy Spirit, to conceive her. Please know how much I wish. Oh, how I wish I could believe her. After this, our home was as depressing as a tomb, for my master only worked and then sat morosely in his room. But then an evening came that brought an end to this dismay. I remember it so clearly, like it happened yesterday. The master had retired. He'd gone early to his bed. I was grazing in the yard. I'd been neglected to be fed. I noticed from the master's bedroom window came a light. It was golden, and it outshone the enveloping twilight. I was spurred by curiosity, so with my donkey nose, I then gently nudged the shutter, which was only partway closed. And the sight that struck my vision made it difficult to stand was an angel straight from heaven, so magnificent and grand. He was talking to my master, though the master never woke. He was telling him of Mary and the baby as he spoke. Joseph, son of David, God is with you, do not fear it. Mary's baby was conceived in her by God's own Holy Spirit. Take her as your wife, prepare your home for her to live in. And when she bears her firstborn, Jesus is the name you'll give him. The master sighed so deeply, for his sleep was strong and good. Then the angel turned his gaze right to the window where I stood. At first, his eyebrows narrowed, and I feared that I was doomed. But a subtle smile developed as he walked across the room. I knew I'd really done it now. My presence was a bother. Then the angel said, Why, little one, I knew your great-grandfather, a trusted, faithful donkey, as has ever chewed the bit. He saved old Balaam from my sword, was blessed because of it. He touched me on the head and ran his hand along my cheek. Your secret's safe with me, my dear. I know that you can speak. Suspecting Mary's circumstance had into sadness cast her, I asked, will all be well with the young maiden and my master? The angel answered, yes, but they have an odyssey ahead. He then caressed my neck, lifted up my chin and said, your master and his wife will journey to a distant town and you, my friend, will bear her and you must not let me down. For the baby that she carries, this unique anointed girl, is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the savior of the world. I can't do it, I retorted. I can't take that kind of pressure. And I felt the angel mark me and began to take my measure. Little one, he said, if you react this way, just think what Mary must be feeling now, the cup that she must drink. Both she and your master, by the father they were chosen. And also you, he gently said. My heart became unfrozen. His eyes were fixed upon me, and I felt my strength unfurl. As long as I'm alive, I said, I'll take care of the girl. He smiled and slightly nodded, as I promised and I vowed. Then he said, Brave little donkey, your great-granddad would be proud. He touched me on the forehead, oh so softly with his palm. 
then raised his mighty wings, and in an instant, he was gone. Well, things around the house seemed gathered in a whirlwind, with the master and his lady back together once again. My master cherished Mary with the selfless love he plied her, always watchful, always caring, as the baby grew inside her. Then the laughter in our home, the sweetest sound I've ever heard, went suddenly awry due to a simple single word. Chaos and confusion, all the trouble now condenses around something I'd not heard before. It's something called a census. Whatever that expression is, it made our peace unravel, and clearly now the three of us were going to have to travel. From Nazareth to Bethlehem, a journey fraught with trials, and all of it by donkey, just about 100 miles. My master's greatest worry and my overwhelming fear was the wear and tear on Mary, whose delivery time was near. My saddle overflowed with pillows, blankets, throws, and quilts just to try and somehow cushion all the bounces, bumps, and tilts. Every step I took in earnest, each traverse I made with care, thinking always of the holy, precious cargo that I bear. Then climbing up a hillside, curving slowly round a bend, we finally reached the outskirts of the town of Bethlehem. With a village full of travelers, lodging prospects looked forsaken, for the rooms at all the hostels, inns, and taverns had been taken. At the final habitation, at the far end of the town, my master sought the innkeeper, who flatly turned him down. As he and Mary rested on a bench, he looked morose, for she whispered as it darkened, Love, my time is getting close. It was then that I decided to get up and intervene, for my heart was fairly breaking at this melancholy scene. I'd seen the chubby innkeeper stroll over to his well, and I ambled that direction, so discreet he couldn't tell. I deftly faked some grazing with my head down in the grass, so he couldn't see my lips move when I spoke up and I asked, Are you happy with yourself? How will you sleep tonight? leaving that expectant couple helpless in their plight. Who said that? Who is talking? The surprised innkeeper said. It's me, your angry conscience. I replied with lowered head. Where is your compassion? The imposter conscience called. I'm overwrought, embarrassed, and indignantly appalled. There's nothing I can do, the frantic innkeeper commented. No vacancies or cancellations. Every room is rented. I can't produce accommodations out of the thin air. Besides, they're not my relatives. Why should my conscience care? I care because we're human. My oh my, that was a stretch. If not for me, you'd turn into a loathsome cad or wretch. You better think of something quick, the voice of scruples taunted. Or I'll keep right on talking until it feels like you are haunted. Okay, okay, he stammered. I don't have a bed or table, but I reckon they can get out of the weather in the stable. We'll take it, I declared. I, I mean, they'll take it, I corrected. I knew you had it in you. Your good manners, I suspected. I'll go and make the offer, the resigned innkeeper said. 
And you, you'll stop this diatribe, this talking in my head? At once, I quick assured him. Then the conscience voice denotes, just one more thing. Make sure their donkey gets the bag of oats. Our shelter is as cozy as the couple now can make it. The straw and hay are perfect where my master smoothed and raked it. So we three settled down to our positions on the floor when all at once a face was peeking through the creaking door. A woman with a steaming bucket, boiling like a broth, now rushed into the stable, bearing folded linen cloth. I'm married to the chubby lout who put you in this barn. He told me, but I just assumed he'd spun a whopping yarn. She kindly looked at Mary. Don't you fret or fuss, my daughter. I've done this many times. She then put down the pail of water. Mary was a trooper. Joseph never left her side. And it wasn't too much later that the little babe arrived. Turning to my little family, what an awesome sight. The woman had helped Mary wrap the baby clean and tight. Joseph brought a manger over, small, for little lambs, and Mary laid him in the fresh-cut straw with her own hands. Then kneeling by that humble cradle, serving as a bed. Your name is Jesus, Joseph sighed, just as the angel said. I'm leaving now, the woman said, but know you have my oath. I'll be back tomorrow morning with some breakfast for you both. Then at the door she paused and said a thing so odd, but right. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Self-consciously she smiled and nodding hurried out the door and we were left in peace and quiet solitude once more. But the silence didn't last too long. When voices filled the air, a man said, Let's check this one. It may be we'll find him there. Entering the doorway, a few anxious, timid paces, several men were standing there with wonder on their faces. I knew it, one man whispered. We just needed to keep searching. He had to be a shepherd. Around his neck, a lamb was perching. A second man then spoke. He wasn't much more than a boy. I told you, it's a miracle. T'was not a prank or ploy. So the angels, they were real? Said a third with hesitation. It wasn't a delusion or some wild hallucination? My master, next to Mary, rose up slowly to his feet. May I ask what you are looking for? Inquire what you seek? Beg pardon, you must think us rubes to interrupt like this. They shifted shyly foot to foot. Our behavior seems amiss, but earlier this evening we were sitting with our sheep when suddenly the air was filled with singing rich and deep. It just kept getting louder like a widening encore, and then the sky was bursting forth with angels by the score. Their lyrics were amazing, beautiful from end to end, singing mostly peace on earth and also God's good will to men. Then one impressive angel separated from the throng. He spoke to us while all the others celebrate in song. He proclaimed that Christ was given. He'd been born in Bethlehem, that we should leave our sheep 
and go at once in search of him. He said, Look in a manger, which we thought was quite bizarre. But we scouted all the stables, and at last, well, here you are. My master listened calmly as the shepherd's story ends, then hugs them and pronounces, You are welcome, precious friends. Now gathered near the manger, Mary lifts him from the straw, and they gaze in awesome wonder, quiet reverence and awe. It was then the youngest shepherd, still astonished and inspired, said to Joseph, Can I ask, is that your donkey? He inquired. Why, yes, replied my master. She's dependable and sure. Would you mind, the shepherd prodded, if I went and petted her? <laughs> Not at all, my master chuckles. This boy's innocence endears. She likes a scratch, said Mary, especially right behind her ears. He rose up from the circle just as gently as he could and walked back to the corner of the stable where I stood. He softly ran his hand upon the contours of my cheek. Then in a quiet whisper, this young man began to speak. I made a solemn promise to the angel in the field, a sacred vow to keep your rare ability concealed. He said that you would comprehend my words, my voice and tone, that you could even answer me in phrases of your own. I feel a little silly, for I don't know if it's true. But this is what the angel said I was to say to you. Faithful little donkey, you've done everything I asked. Performed your job magnificently, each and every task. Serve your master's family, keep yourself in fighting trim. For you and your descendants will be called upon again. Though my heart was fairly leaping from the angel's lordly quotes, I maintained donkey demeanor and just blankly chewed my oats. It figures, said the boy, who thought his chain had just been yanked. As he turned and walked away, soft and distinct, I whispered, thanks. He froze there for a moment, but he never turned around, just shook his head and joined the others kneeling on the ground. And that is how, my little boy, your mother came to be the single, humble donkey at the first nativity. Oh, Mommy, please keep going, for you know there's more to spin. How you carried them to Egypt and then brought them home again? You've had such fine adventures, best ones that could ever be. I've barely left this barn. Why, no one's even ridden me. Let's save that little story. You don't want your ears to numb. Besides, as for adventures, don't fret. Your time will come. I've served so many masters since my days in Nazareth. You never really can imagine what may happen next. And as she said this, voices came beyond the stable walls. The teacher said we'd find one. Let's go look inside these stalls. Sunlight filled the stable as the door was pushed ajar. A man stuck in his head and cried, I told you, here they are. Walking across the hay-strewn floor, three men looked fairly stunned. How does the teacher always know? It must be the little one. Wouldn't it be better, one man said, to bring the Jenny? The small one seems so very young, too light and kind of skinny. With her son about to protest, Mama gave the colt the eye. That look that said, don't talk or laugh or speak or shout or cry. The teacher said, bring the colt. He'll be the first to ride him. 
The man then moved to pet the little donkey and untied him. And as this group prepared to exit to the open air, a voice just at the doorway cried, What's going on in there? Entering the stable came a man, his temper brewing. I am that donkey's owner. What in God's name are you doing? The tallest of the men, he said, My friend, God's name indeed. My master said to tell you, of this donkey, I have need. Blinking once, then twice, the stable owner stepped aside. Please, he said, return him when your master's made his right. The little colt, he winked and trotted to his first indenture, as if to say, Mom, look at me. It's time for my adventure. His mother heard their words as they departed, growing dim. Now Jesus has a special ride into Jerusalem. Her eyes grew wet and misty, wondrous feelings dart inside her. Then suddenly she's standing with the angel right beside her. Mother, he began, shall we indulge a little walk? I do so like your company. Let's stroll a while and talk. <laughs> 